0: Welcome back to the Warehouse Podcast. I am not Tyler. I'm not Jesse. And I'm Eli. We are here tonight to bow our heads in a moment of silence. No, I'm actually just going to spend 15 minutes with you. Uh, The Orioles' season has come to a close. We are, unfortunately, not the winners of even a single game in this playoffs. We have gone ahead... And been swept by the Texas Rangers, losing tonight by a score of seven to one. Nathan Ivaldi was absolutely dominant. Dean Kramer was absolutely not. Um, if you are here watching, I guess listening. If you're here listening, we we assume that you have watched uh, watched the game, or at least you know watched some highlights or whatever. So definitely not going to bore you. Not going to take too much of your time. Just going to hit on a couple notes it was pretty astounding to me personally, watching this game just in the manner of how quickly it seemed like we were out of it and how quickly it became non-competitive once again. After seeing Sunday night's game uh, with Grayson Rodriguez not making it out of the second inning, the expectation is that a major league pitcher will make it out of the second inning. And seeing us step into this and seeing Dean Kramer falter and failed to do the, that exact same thing is, I don't know, it's tough to swallow. Obviously, we saw Grayson Rodriguez become one of the most dominant pitchers in the American League over the second half of the season. We saw Dean Kramer really come into his own this year, threw over 150 innings of really solid, you know, mid to back rotation ball. Um, so, pretty, I guess, startling. You know, I am sitting here. And obviously I've got the waves of emotions of the immediacy of the 2023 season being over and all of this stuff, but really just pretty shocked at the manner in which it happened. Um, it feels like we blinked and the moment had passed us and we just have no chance at, you know, we're reaching out for it, but it's already a half mile down the road. Pretty startling. So I guess getting into it a little bit, I guess the first thing, you give up a home run to Corey Seager in the first inning. It seems like the Orioles have had a game plan against Corey Seager in this series, and that was to not let Corey Seager beat you. It doesn't matter what the situation is, you walk Corey Seager. (laughs) Uh, uh, You know, they stuck to it, to their credit. Seager set all kinds of records for uh, most times on base in a postseason series, most walks in a game in a postseason game, all sorts of stuff. But, you know, Dean Kramer, I think, was trying to really largely pitch around him in that first inning, Uh, but unfortunately, the changeup, which is usually so reliable, tunneling with his sinker, outside half of the plate to a lefty, to the arm side, he just brings that back in for whatever reason, just cut it a little bit, and it's pretty, if you have played baseball at a competitive level, you know that for a power-hitting lefty, the only location that you are taught not to throw them a pitch is something soft down an in. you know it's the same reason that Kramer's cutter was getting blasted at the beginning of the year because he left it middle in a little bit low for these lefties to kind of meet their natural uppercut so as soon as you saw you know Kramer missed that spot to the guy that is the one person you lock in on in a lineup. You know, you go and Corey Seager had uh, an over 600 slugging this year, if I remember correctly. You go and you circle his name on the lineup and seeing him miss a spot that early in the game to the one guy you don't want to miss spots to. uh, It kind of just was a harbinger of things to come. You immediately started to be concerned. Maybe Dean doesn't have it tonight. We go ahead. The second inning comes around, he's already thrown 20 in the first, and he ends up in a 15-pitch at-bat against the seven-hitter. Now, credit to Nathaniel Lowe, you know, he's obviously much better than the average seventh hitter in the American League. He is in this Texas Rangers lineup that probably offensively was about as good, if not better, than any team in the American League. Um, And despite the fact that, you know, we end up with a line-out and Dean Kramer eventually wins the battle. Despite that, you know, we are now in a position where the Rangers have a lead. The Orioles' starting pitcher is now 50 pitches deep in the second inning of a game immediately after we had seen, you know, like we just talked about, Grayson Rodriguez completely failing to get through a second inning. So you just start, like... You know, you start sweating, you start having flashbacks. It's the little dog meme with all the war, PTSD stuff. And, you know, sure enough, it really turns into that. Eventually, you've got the semi in double. Seeger comes up. We intentionally walk him. And you're in a situation where you've got two outs. You've got Adolis Garcia up. And the Orioles are... Theoretically, Tyler Wells is warming in the bullpen. You know, they are kind of like Brandon Hyde in particular is in a position where he needs to, as he had said, manage aggressively. Um, And that was kind of the expectation. So, you know, we're in this situation and you've got one of the better power hitters in the American League in Adolis Garcia. We saw him in the home run derby. He hit 30, 35 bombs. I don't have the number, admittedly, but, you know, 30-plus home runs in the regular season. So you end up in a position with two men on, Semyon's on second, Corey Seager on first after the intentional walk. Adolis Garcia is up, and you've got this fearsome power hitter. But at the same time, Dean Kramer was able to get his fastball in on Garcia in the first inning. He had him way out front on a breaking ball. You know, Garcia, credit to him, was able to flick it into center field for a knock. But I guess there's reason to think that with two outs, and given how Kramer performed against him, how Garcia seemingly was seeing the ball, you know, there's a chance that you can get through this inning with Dean Kramer with just the three run lead uh, on Texas's part, of course. And you can hopefully try to get a little bit of length out of him. Obviously, this does not work. Kramer gets ahead 0 2 and fastball leaks out over the plate and we end up in a 6-nothing deficit. Once again the starting pitcher has absolutely imploded and the game seems out of hand before it has even really begun. You know, I like I was sitting with my girlfriend, I was eating and I just laid back on the couch and just looked up, you know, it's like we're 20 minutes into this game and it feels impossible already. Nathan Ovaldi to his credit was absolutely dealing. You know, when the Orioles went ahead and were allowing all this traffic on the bases, Dean Kramer in particular, when Kramer was allowing all this traffic on the bases, Ivaldi was at 20 pitches through two innings. He threw 11 pitches in the first. He threw nine pitches in the second. And it seemed like the Orioles lineup really did not, and this goes for, you know, the entirety of the night, not just for this moment. The Orioles lineup did not have the best approach against him. Um, he was able to work the cutter to his glove side, his splitter stayed down, splitter stayed off to the arm side, and he was able to get the fastball up and in to both lefties and righties consistently throughout the night. Really, really um, dominant performance to, you know, by Ivaldi, and that's a credit to him. He obviously just turns it up in the postseason. We saw him with, I guess it was the 18 Red Sox. Yeah, the 18 Red Sox you know, where he was just an absolute god in the postseason, um, you know, probably in terms of postseason runs for a pitcher in the last 10 years or so, you know, that's probably up there, you know, in a tier with Mad Bum and such in the last 10 years or so. Um, so Evaldi, to his credit, you know, he's he had been hurt. He hadn't gone six innings since like July coming into this postseason. He steps up. And deals in the wild card series, deals in this game. Um, You know, credit to Jordan Westberg at the end of the game, putting together a 10 pitch at bat before he finally succumbed to Ivaldi too. Um, You know, we pushed Ivaldi up to about 100 pitches through seven innings, but that really wasn't it. He was ready to step out of the game at about 90 pitches. Um, Bochy had Chapman and Leclaire lined up. And Ivaldi, you know, really should have gotten through that seventh inning a little bit cleaner. It was just credit to Westberg again for a good at bat. But so, you know, it just speaking as um, speaking to how dominant Ivaldi's performance really was, he did exactly what you're supposed to do when you are pitching with a lead. He consistently threw strikes. They made a comment that the first 12 hitters of the game, nine of those hitters got to an 0 2 count against Ivaldi. So, absolutely pounding the zone, letting his stuff play. Credit to him. Um, So the game was out of hand quickly. I think that at the risk of, you know, skipping over some of it, you know, the Orioles were pretty flat as a whole. Uh, There was a nice base knock by Santander. You know, we had a couple solid moments. Um, I think that I just want to take the time to shout out two people, though, two people who we have gone ahead and talked about ad nauseum throughout the course of this year. Um, Well, I'm sorry. One of whom we've talked about ad nauseum throughout the course of this year, one of whom we largely forgot about throughout the course of this year, and we're kind of like, hey, you remember that guy? What's going on with him? (laughs) Uh, First one, Gunnar Henderson. He is obviously not the one we forgot about. He is the, you know... Sole front runner, head of the pack, running running away with it for rookie of the year in the American League. With the righty on the mound, with Ivaldi, he goes ahead and he returns to the top of the lineup, some place that we have uh, gotten comfortable seeing him, some place that we love him. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I, I I think that the best form of this Orioles team is the one we see against. A right-handed starter because Gunner is up there as opposed to being relegated to the sixth slot like he was uh, against Haney in that first game. I think uh, you know, as we move through this off-season, going on a little bit of a tangent here, but as we move through this offseason, I think that's a priority for the Orioles, is we need a little bit of a response to a left-handed pitcher. Our switch hitters are good. You know, I think obviously we play the platoon advantages heavy. And so we like being able to stack, you know, Hayes and then Rutschman and then Santander and then Mountcastle and being able to have four righties in a row. But the fact of the matter is, you know, I think we need to establish somebody who is a reliable right-handed presence at the top of the lineup. Um, I think that Mountcastle strikes out too much. I think that Hayes has way too wild of an approach, does not draw walks, does not work counts. Um, And so I think that if we are looking at really, you know, elevating this team and finding a way to counteract all game plans against us, you know, like we had the problems with Drew Rahm. We had the problems with all these soft tossing lefties uh, in the latter part of the season as, you know, what our lineup really was shaping out to be obviously had this weakness in a way. Um, So I think a like steady, you know almost contact and obp oriented righty to fill in the top of the lineup is um yeah a bigger need than uh, than has been spoken for in this upcoming offseason anyway i'm getting ahead of myself so coming back to gunner here once again the Orioles are their best selves when gunner is hitting at the top of the lineup when he is setting the tone when he can let his just like ferocity and his persona play up you know he is a like an imposing presence, obviously a tall dude. He swings the bat so hard. Um, And I think having that guy setting the tone is absolutely phenomenal for the Orioles. Um, So, you know, his performance in this postseason as a whole like, cannot be talked about enough. He goes ahead, and today, in this moment where the Orioles are completely shut down, he goes ahead and becomes the youngest Oriole in history with a three-hit game in the postseason younger than Eddie Murray and all of that is in the midst of going 6 for 12 in his first postseason hitting 500 remaining a steady presence in the lineup even you know putting a ball 400 plus feet against a lefty you know the one weakness I was just talking about with him and I do still think it's a weakness of course the Orioles do too that's why they drop him in the lineup but he goes ahead and you know, just rises to the occasion. Jordan Montgomery is, you know, a one of the tougher lefties in the game. That's why the Rangers went and acquired him. Obviously we did some damage against him yesterday, but he went seven innings and I think gave up two runs or so against the Rays in the wild card series. You know, this is somebody who, like, over the course of I think all of September gave up one or two earned runs. So seeing Gunner, you know, go ahead and put one out against him against a tougher lefty in the midst of this phenomenal postseason run, I think you cannot say enough about Gunnar Henderson. Like, John Angelos signed this dude to a lifetime extension. You know, like, we can go super incentive-laden to try to keep your bottom line down or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, Gunnar is just phenomenally talented, and we are so... You you know, we're overwhelmed by how terribly this all went. Uh, But I think, you know, in order to keep our sanity, we're going to need to nitpick and find these little benefits. And we can always sit back and rely on the fact that Gunnar Henderson is good at baseball. Moving on to the guy who I said was a little bit forgotten throughout a lot of the year. We're looking at D.L. Hall. If you listen to... Tyler, on the last two recaps, you know, you understand that this podcast is a fan of DL Hall. Uh, We went ahead, uh, Tyler went ahead, and talked about how dominant he was in Game 1, talked about being concerned that we overused him in Game 1, he wouldn't be available for Game 2. Sure enough, we do not see him in Game 2. We go ahead, and toward the end of the night tonight, uh, his name is called once again, and I think that this is... You know, something that's really, like, marvelous about competitive, about these professional baseball players. You know, like, I am, I'm, you know, making coping mac and cheese in my kitchen, you know, to deal with how badly this game is going. And, you know, the likes of Kyle Gibson, I actually need to come back to Gibson in a minute here. That dude, uh, he balled out tonight. But, you know, the likes of Kyle Gibson come into the game and in the midst of all of this like super depression basically you know for the prospects of this miraculous season coming to a close you know Gibson comes in throws three innings of you know one run ball he gives up the one home run D.L. Hall comes in goes one and two-thirds strikes out three guys allows just one hit you know I really like the competitive mindset for these folks to be able to step into a situation that is bad and continue to put forth their best selves. You know, I think that is the type of resilience. That is the type of like phenomenal attitude that has been fostered on this team. I think that's part of why we won 101 games. That's part of the reason why we have a sweepless series streak. That's part of the reason that we, you know, that, that we are the Orioles that we are, um, So credit to D.L. Hall, you know, he comes in facing, you know, just an incredibly, incredibly tough lineup. Like we have talked about ad nauseum in these three recaps. The Rangers are really, really good. And their offense is clicking on all cylinders right now. So D.L. Hall comes in, absolutely shoves. Um, And credit to him, we we are grateful to have him. I I think that D.L. Hall is going to be an enormous piece for this team next year particularly with Bautista out. Uh, you know, I think that he's someone, obviously he's been worked out as a starter. He's someone who's capable of giving you length. He is somebody who is capable of coming in, being that person to get you one strikeout in the biggest moment of the game. Credit to D.L. Hall. One to go ahead, um, I just mentioned it, but I should go ahead and mention Kyle Gibson too. I, I think that, you know, th- there are very, very few people who can go ahead and, like, embrace the role of a veteran the way that Kyle Gibson did this year. He, you know, there were a bunch of stories coming out throughout the year. I mean, I guess the first thing we should start off and say, even though he didn't want to call it a dong bong, he and Cole Irving came up with the dong bong, you know, helped put, like, the central celebration that became, like, such a part of the identity of this team. You know, the Orioles marketing team went through the birdbath out in left field. You know, it, it's just like this became such an integral part of who the team was this year. That was a brainchild of Gibson and Cole Irvin. Um, but beyond that, the Orioles rotation was considered this enormous, enormous weakness throughout the previous offseason, you know, heading into this year. And I think that a large part of the reason they did not end up as such, a large part of the reason that uh, you know, we were actually one of the better staffs in the second half was, I think, Kyle Gibson's influence on a lot of these younger pitchers, most of them going through, you know, what ended up being their first full season. Uh, there were a couple stories just in the way of how he would have every pitcher in the rotation go out together, stand behind the starter as they were warming up, be there to talk, et cetera, et cetera. And then there were stories about how um, players would, you know, normally go ahead and throw a side session. I was a college pitcher when I was throwing at practice, you know, it was a bullpen day. I would go ahead and I'd be out there in shorts and a T-shirt. And he said, no, you know, if you are going to throw, you're going to throw in your full uniform. And, you know, you're going to treat it like, you know, this is your game day. This is everything you are coming here to work for. It's kind of an interesting thing with pitchers because you, you know, you do not have infinite bullets. I can't throw a bullpen every day, particularly not at my age now, but I can't throw a bullpen every day. Whereas a hitter can go in and take 400, 500 swings every single day. And as long as they got some batting gloves, they won't have any blisters. You know, an elbow, a shoulder, everything on a pitcher does not work like that. So you really need to treat every single moment um, you know, with the proper reverence and with the proper attention. So it it seems like Kyle Gibson, you know, through little things like this really had an impact on this team this year. Um, And again, like seeing him come into a game where we are already down six to one and, you know, be able to put up three innings of one run ball. It says something super, super special about him, um, And, you know, I think it's a poor allocation of resources to go ahead and try to re-sign him or anything like that. But, you know, I do think that his presence will be missed next year. That's about all I have. You know, credit to the Texas Rangers, once again. They're a dominant team. Uh, I think they're going to go really far. I don't, I don't know, I don't really have any animosity against them because they just, like, they came in and they just beat us this series. And, you know, that is painful to admit. You know, I would love to... I would love to blame any one person or any one thing. I would love to say it was Hyde. I would love to say, you know, we didn't do enough at the deadline. I would love to say all these things. I'm just not convinced that they're true. You know, I like a lot of the deadline moves did not work out. A lot of folks, you know, Lucas Giolito even got waived, you know? And I think that, you know, this team was put together with an eye on the future, of course. But we simultaneously did make an effort. Um, we did give up. I th- you know, I think what was a pretty high price for Jack Flaherty, and it kind of spoke to where the market was. Um, so, I you know, that is all to say we came into this series and we got beat. The Rangers were better. They pitched better. They hit better. They fielded better. They did everything. You know, it it, it is what it is. Um, It is a bitter pill to swallow, but I am confident that the Orioles will be back. Um, I have to be. I might just be telling myself that, but I know you're telling yourself the same thing, so we can lie to each other, and that can be that. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Um, I'm going to shower and uh, nurse my wounds and try to get some sleep to recuperate here. We... Do not have uh, anything immediately planned uh, for the Warehouse pod. We'll have to see how our schedule shakes out. I think that um, we will be coming to you, if you've heard (laughs) uh, our last full-length pod, we will be coming to you with a review of the 2023 season. We had hoped that that would be coming in November. It turns out it will not. Uh, That will probably be coming a little bit sooner, because I don't know why we would wait for the World Series. So we're going to go ahead, and we'll probably get that to you pretty soon. Um, Definitely be sure to like, comment, and tell us how we're doing. Subscribe to us if you are so inclined. Um, You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, I mention Google Podcasts because that's where I listen to us, and Tyler never mentions Google Podcasts. Uh, You can get us on Spotify, and you can find us in a newsletter form at thewarehousepod.substack.com. Uh, feel free to email us at the or at the warehousepod at gmail dot com, and we're also on Twitter slash X at at the warehouse pod. I just doubled up on the word at and it tripped me up. So this is usually Tyler's thing. I'm here by myself and I'm freaking out. <laughs> uh, anyway, so thank you so much for listening. Thank you for spending this year with us. We will thank you again for that at the end of our season review. Um, We'll talk to you soon. Have a good night and go O's.